0: People know we like the Leafs. So I think it's okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We're being pretty honest. They screwed up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Japan's been in there. I think Korea's had a team in there a couple times.
0: Don't say, oh, yeah, Japan. No one would have been thinking about Japan. Don't say, oh, yeah, Japan. But no. they had a team in the Nagano Olympics.
1: <laughs> I think they had to have a team because they were the host. But
0: So Grand Forks is the third largest city in North Dakota. Can you name the other two?
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> Hey, I'm Ian. And I'm Andrew. And this is Incomplete Past.
0: Second guessing is always easy.
1: Were people's predictions correct?
0: Is it possible that we underappreciate him?
1: There's stuff that he does that nobody can do. Does baseball have a culture of cheating? Here's another thing that a lot of people forget about the game.
0: Man, that's, that's a story. players from that team have won at least one stanley cup nine patrice bergeron jeff carter's won two crosby's won three colin frazier's won three brian Getzlav, andrew ladd with two perry mike richards again with two and brent seabrook with three and three of them bergeron crosby and perry are part of the triple gold club which is not a real club but people like to talk about it olympics world championships and a stanley cup
1: And speaking of Stanley Cups, I I did a bit of stat digging. And if you look at all the Stanley Cup finals from 2006 to 2020, at least one member of the 05 Canadian junior team was in the Stanley Cup final in every year, except for 2018, the Washington and Vegas final. January 4th, 2005. The NHL lockout is in its fifth month with no end in sight. Craig Ferguson has just become the new host of The Late Late Show on CBS. Million Dollar Baby is receiving Oscar buzz at cinemas. And Nellie's Over and Over sits atop the billboards. In Grand Forks, North Dakota, a group of Canadian teenagers are putting the finishing touches on six games of total domination. One year ago at the World Junior Hockey Championships in Helsinki, Finland, Team Canada looked poised to win its first gold medal since 1997 before squandering a 3-1 third period lead and losing 4-3 to the rival Americans. It was an especially bitter pill to swallow as goaltender Marc-Andre Fleury shot the puck off teammate Braden Coburn and into his own net for the winning goal. With 12 returnees from the talented yet youthful 0-4 squad back for another run at gold, Canada entered the 0-5 tournament as heavy favourites and then proceeded to bulldoze the competition, leaving many to wonder whether this was the greatest men's junior hockey team of all time.
0: I, I, Morgan Riley must have been on a yeah. team too at some point.
1: Oh yeah, he was on a team. I don't think they did very well, but yes, he was on a team. I, I guess that's the outlier.
0: And Tavares doesn't count. And Austin Matthews, I don't think nope. he did. Did he?
1: What about Joe Thornton? He was really good in like <laughs> 1980. I think 1997 though, he was on the junior team. And Patrick Marlowe, maybe. Although I'd have to check. But
0: they were not leaf draft picks, so that doesn't count.
1: No. They were not.
0: Uh why do you think not that this is a Leaf podcast, but uh why do you think is it as simple as the Leafs suck at drafting? Is that why they don't have players on these on the junior teams?
1: Well they did for a while. I think they're good at drafting now, but they sucked at drafting for (laughs) basically our whole lives
0: until very recently. (laughs) Or didn't have any draft picks to draft anybody because they traded them all the time. So there's another possibility.
1: Yeah, that was that was a problem, like quite a few years. (laughs)
0: But we're here today to discuss one specific World Junior team. And at the time of recording, today is December the 8th, if I'm not mistaken. So, coming up on traditionally what is uh, obviously for the holiday season around the world. But uh, during that holiday season in Canada, we like to celebrate. And we're the only country in the world who really cares about the World Junior Hockey Championships. And it's kind of a Canadian tradition, at least among hockey fans, to gear up and watch. This tournament this year is the COVID version of that, and it may look a little bit different and it may not even happen as we're sitting here recording today. We're not sure what's going to happen. It probably will, but there's always a chance that it will not. But uh, looking back into 2000, the 2005 version of the Canada team was quite a special one. And Ian, what can we tell them about that to start off the show today?
1: Well, let's just imagine for a moment that you wanted to pick a team from, say, the year 2012. Imagine you're doing a fantasy draft and it's the year 2012. And on your team, you have Patrice Bergeron, Sidney Crosby, Corey Perry, Ryan Getzlaff, Andrew Ladd, Jeff Carter, Mike Richards, Clark MacArthur, Dion Phaneuf, Shea Weber, Braden Coburn, and Brent Seabrook. Well, I would win. How would you do in your fantasy league? You would
0: win. It's over. That's it. I don't even need a goalie.
1: Well, no. And the (laughs) 2005 Canadian World Junior team, you could argue, didn't really have much in the goaltending department. Um, Out of their two goaltenders, Jeff Glass and Regent Beauchemin, they got a total of 15 NHL games. But it did not matter because of who was skating in front of them.
0: I guess (laughs) you don't need to stop the puck if your team has it all the time.
1: Yeah, and they had it all the time. It was, what was it? They outscored the opponents 41 to 7. That's like a 6 to 1 ratio in hockey.
0: So, I mean, the reason we're talking about this team is because they are considered, and I think there's no real argument here, the best, not only Canadian junior team of all time, but the best junior team in this tournament ever. And with what the the, the roster that you just mentioned and the goal differential that you just said, even... No offense to Jeff Glass, but even without an NHL caliber goalie, they did all of those things and obviously didn't lose a game along the way. So we're not going to sit here and debate, was this the best team? We're going to sit here and discuss, how did this come to be? Because going through the vault, as we usually do, with headlines that change over time, I don't think there's, there's much changing been done in the last 15 years.
1: No, I think the only thing that maybe changed, so th- this was an interesting little article that it came up with. It was a Where Are They Now article, which usually are like 10 or 20 years later. This was one year later. Oh. A Where Are They Now article. And it was talking about guys from the 05 Canadian junior team and how they were doing in in most cases the NHL, a few of them in the AHL. So, you know, obvious ones like obvious ones like Crosby, he was doing great. Uh, finished second in Rookie of the Year voting behind Ovechkin, who would have been a rookie the year before. So, you know, the NHL lockout and that whole thing. But at the time, in his rookie year, Dion Phaneuf was looked at as a future Norris Trophy winner, multiple Norris Trophy winner, stalwart on Canadian Olympic and World Cup teams. And he finished either second or third. He was a runner-up for the Norris Trophy in 2007. So his second year in the NHL. Didn't he score 20 goals in his first year? first, first or, second. or second year like mm-hmm. or early was really good and by his third fourth fifth year was good and that was kind of the plateau <laughs> like the high water mark he, he was in the all-star game one year but it was when he was voted in by fans it was when he was on the Leafs so probably right. just the number of Le- of Leaf fans helped him do that but yeah, he, he was really the only guy who I think everyone was like, this guy is awesome, and just didn't actually turn out to be awesome.
0: He was good. So, I, I mean, that's a discussion, I suppose, is that normally the trajectory of the, the players in the junior tournament, and some go on to be stars, um, most probably go on to play in the NHL in some capacity, and some yeah, never all but two. quite make it. Well, normally, on a, a normal team, you know, you'd have you know, maybe yeah. 20% that go on to be really good NHL players, maybe 60% that just just become NHL players, and then the other 20% that maybe don't make it. But on this team, it's, it's like 90-10. Yeah,
1: only two guys didn't play in the NHL. And, you know, I mentioned at the outset the guys, the core guys who were either stars or close to being stars. And, you know, that doesn't include some other guys who... Played quite a few games, like 200-plus games in the NHL, like Anthony Stewart, Nigel Dawes. uh, Danny Servette didn't play that many games, but he played a few. Sean Bell didn't play too many. Jeff Glass, I mentioned, 15 games. Jeremy Mm -hmm. Colleton played a few. Colin Fraser is a really interesting one. Fourth liner for the 05 Team Canada. Two Stanley Cups. Right?
0: Right? Chicago and LA. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, let's let's should we just go through the list here and i mean there's the people that you mentioned uh, like awesome awesome and very obviously hall of fame players but people like brent seabrook who you know three stanley cups i think with chicago three stanley cups and an olympic gold medal sitting here in 2020 i mean i mean this is perspective like the guys like who are still going crosby jeff carter like it's you know, gets that even Corey Perry in the playoffs last year was, was fantastic. Mm-hmm. The longevity on these guys is unbelievable, 15 years into their career. So, I mean, people look at Brent Seabrook and say he's done. Well, he kind of should be based on just how long he's been playing yeah. and how many tough minutes he's put in with the Olympics three Stanley Cup runs, winning the other playoffs where they didn't win. I mean, he hasn't been just chilling and golfing in Arizona for 15 years, never getting in the playoffs.
1: <laughs> no. No, I mean he's he was a great player in his prime and yeah, he has a bad contract now, but it's not his fault.
0: Not at all. Braden Coburn still going. He's he's definitely a serviceable player, right? So he just won the cup. Th- he just won. Uh Andrew Ladd, I think, just retired maybe a year or two ago. So Anthony Stewart likewise. And even Colin Fraser has been very serviceable. So this yeah. this team on the whole stacked. Not just in terms of totally pros, like at the at the time, 15 years later, we can still look at it and say, my goodness, how did this happen?
1: I dug up a couple other interesting little factoids. So it was the NHL lockout. And that was one of the reasons why this was the greatest team, because guys who probably would have been in the NHL, mm-hmm. maybe the AHL, were available. So guys like Crosby and Carter and Getzlaff and Weber and Phaneuf probably would have been in the NHL, wouldn't have been available to Team Canada. There were actually two players who were playing in the AHL because the AHL did go that year and they were not released by their AHL teams to Team Canada. Nathan Horton is one and Brent Burns is the other who was at the time a forward. He started his career as a forward. So they could have had Nathan Horton and Brent Burns at forward as well.
0: Goodness gracious. Something and you in want the, to know who something got something cut in the water from this team? In that, that year or something?
1: 1985 birth yeah. year. Oof. So, so guys who got cut from the team, so in goal, Devin Dubnik, who started okay, then was terrible, then was really good in the NHL, now he's terrible <laughs> again, but you know, w- was like a legitimate starting goalie in the NHL. Mike Green got cut from wow. that team. Wow. He scored 30 plus goals One year for Washington sure He's still did. in the league
0: Yeah he's been a good player uh, David
1: Boland scored Yeah Dave Boland Cup winning goal 2013 for the Blackhawks I, I think his money Is still on the Arizona Coyotes Along with like Hossa yeah. and Another form of else. relief
0: Sort of Well not yeah. sort of He was
1: but. And Eric Eric Fair Was like a A middle six forward I think at his peak Like a, a good NHL right. player
0: Well I mean look Usually When we're talking about Because the The Greatness or the attraction of a world junior tournament is there is a restriction on who can play, right? It's technically the under 20 tournament, so we're usually talking about 19 year olds, 18 year olds, the odd exceptional 17 year old, right? So, two years of eligibility essentially, which doesn't usually leave the talent pool really wide open, and there's only so many really rock star players any given year in those two age groups, and this tournament or this group of players I guess we can say is the exception because largely it was the same group of players the year before when they lost in the final yep. in 2004 in Helsinki and there's a couple of of external factors here that you mentioned that contributed to this team basically being an all-star team of all time the lockout being the main one where guys like Patrice Bergeron who played in the NHL the year before he wasn't on that 2004 team Marc-André Fleury became yeah, was too, too good. old um, Crosby was drafted that same year and likely would not have been, been released um, Mike Richards and Jeff Carter were eligible and probably would not have been able to play as well so this is kind of like a perfect storm
1: it was totally the perfect storm and hopefully it will never happen again because hopefully we don't have an NHL lockout that wipes out a season like that again but, but still it just, well, we might most have of one these here. guys were from the 19... 19- <gasps> yeah the covid lockout Yeah. (laughs) yeah most of these guys were from the 1985 birth year crosby aside and they were drafted in the 2003 draft and i know we'll get to that in one of the later segments but that draft not just including canadian players but players from everywhere was certainly the best nhl draft of the modern era
0: yes no question about it
1: we'll talk about that soon
0: uh, there's another article I found here on Olymp- on the Canadian Olympic site I don't know if you came across this as well and it just there's diff- different signs that they call this the super team which I think is an apt term to call this um, so seven players agree. on this team went on to be part of Canada's Olympic gold medal team either in 2010 or 2014 Patrice Bergeron, Jeff Carter, Crosby, Ryan Getzlav, Corey Perry, Mike Richards, Brent Seabrook, and Shea Weber. Nine players from that team have won at least one Stanley Cup. Nine. Nine of them. It's not like they're all on the same team either. Patrice Bergeron, Jeff Carter's won two. Crosby's won three. Colin Frazier's won three. Ryan Getzlav, Andrew Ladd with two. Perry, Mike Richards again with two. And Brent Seabrook with three. And three of them. Bergeron, Crosby, and Perry are part of the triple gold club, which is not a real club, but people like to talk about it. Olympics, world championships, and a Stanley Cup. So it's quite a list.
1: And speaking of Stanley Cups, I, I did a bit of stat digging. And if you look at all the Stanley Cup finals from 2006 to 2020, at least one member of the 05 Canadian junior team was in the Stanley Cup final in every year except for 2018. Unreal. The Washington and Vegas final. And there was the Cup winning team had a member of the 05 junior team in every year except 08, 18, and 19.
0: Crazy. So these guys are winners. My... They've been winners right through. So that's the other thing. They not only won this tournament and just steamrolled it, which I mean, Okay, best team of all time, sure. But as an 18- and 19-year-old going up against... At that time, there wasn't a lot of stiff competition in these tournaments. There, you can argue that there still isn't, really. But in the last five years, that's, you know the rise of Finland, for example, and even the Czech Republic. At that time, I mean, my God, it was Canada, Russia, Sweden sometimes, but Sweden still never won it. Um, Not really. As far I as I know, unless won, they won last one year. One tournament total. And the U.S., you know, on and off. And the U.S. certainly now is a way stronger program than they did in 2005. So, you know, you could say, yeah, they steamrolled a bunch of nobodies. But then you look at their body of work and the 15 professional years that they've put in, all those cups, all that winning, all those good teams that they're on and part of, and you put the dots together that way.
1: And I've got a few other stats just to kind of pile up on that. So it's a total of 26 Stanley Cup Finals appearances with 18 wins. So they're 18 and 8 in the Cup Finals. So they haven't lost in the final that much. God. Uh, 16 total uh, All-Star Game appearances. And, well, who cares about the All-Star Game? But these next awards I think people do care about. Two Marc Messier Leadership Awards, Crosby and Weber. Hmm. One King Clancy Award for Community work three richard trophies crosby with two cory perry with another four selkie trophies all one guy
0: <laughs> that's a uh, pb patrice bergeron
1: that's yeah the pb peanut butter else patrice would bergeron yeah. in boston uh, two Smythes, both crosby three heart two crosby who's the other one
0: heart trophy yeah crosby oh. only has two Good question. Who's got the other hard... Tro- got a, mm, I'm going to go getzlav.
1: Close. Corey Perry, his linemate. He, oh. yeah, he got a hard trophy. goals one year. Yeah, he got a heart trophy. They were dynamite uh, Three Pearsons. Oh, they're so good. Three Pearsons, all Crosby, two Art Ross, both Crosby. 13 Olympic gold medals total. And, and another interesting little stat about Crosby, and I've always been a big fan of Crosby right from the the junior days, but... I think I can back things up pretty well just based on his body of work. Probably his three most productive seasons were interrupted by injuries slash the other shorter NHL lockout in 2012-13. So in the 2010-11 season, Crosby was cruising along, and that's when he got those, uh, the concussion, mm-hmm. missed the last half of the season, and missed basically the first two-thirds of the next season. His points per game in in 11 and 12 are off the charts. And then the same in 13, uh, lockout shortened season, 48 games. He got injured in that season when Brooks Orpik, his own teammate, hit him with a slap shot, broke his jaw. Oh, that's right. And he was way ahead in the Art Ross and ended up, I think, finishing second to Marty St. Louis. So like quite legitimately could have won three more hearts, three more Art Ross, and three more Pearsons. And, you know, who knows, maybe another Rocket Richard or two. And maybe another cup or two.
0: Nah, but you know what? He didn't win Rookie of the Year, so you know what? It's not.
1: Nope, he did not. (laughs) Ovi, although he's beaten Ovi just about every other time he's played him. So Ovi and Malkin were on Team Russia, whom Canada Mm -hmm. beat 6-1 in the gold medal game in 2005. And Radulov, Alex Radulov, also a good player.
0: Crosby is basically beat Ovechkin at every level and every tournament when they've played head-to-head.
1: Yeah, Washington's only won one head-to-head series against Pittsburgh. It was the year they won the Cup. Mm-hmm. In fact, another interesting thing is all the times that Pittsburgh and Washington and the Crosby-Malkin era have met in the playoffs, the team that won that series has gone on to win the Stanley Cup. That's Pittsburgh interesting three times Washington one time so
0: Pittsburgh has been a, been the dynasty uh, obviously since two thousand and five since in the last fifteen years, and Crosby obviously is the driving force behind that. but there's some other wins that we'll get to that maybe would have changed that uh, as we come up to that next segment here uh, in a few minutes uh, on that note, Crosby aside I, I just as an aside or a tangent to that, I find it. Criminal that Ovechkin and Crosby officially played their first. Season. Like they should not have been head to head in the Rookie of the Year competition. I find that criminal for the NHL out of their control. Oh, well, actually, not really. They decided to have a lockout, so totally in their control. But the fact that one of them couldn't or didn't win Rookie of the Year seems, you know, the two best players of our generation, most likely, and one of them couldn't win the Rookie of the Year. I don't know. Does that bother yeah, you? Crosby finished me. second.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't like the optics of it. I I don't know, I I guess you could go back and forth with this. I, I wonder if they should have doubled up that year on some you had of the awards. Malkin, at least Ovechkin the year. and
0: Crosby being rookies at the same time.
1: I think Malkin was a year later. I think he was a year later because he was held back in Russia or something. But Okay. You know, o, Ovechkin would have been a rookie but well, there, Malkin 0-5. was in the
0: Ovechkin draft, right?
1: He was it. He so was definitely second behind Ovechkin. And but I think he was held out. back in Russia. Yeah.
0: Oh, I see. Okay, okay.
1: It took him a year still, to get over this.
0: I remember that first season, and Ovechkin deserved the Rookie of the Year. I mean, he hundred percent. He, oh, he yeah. came out like a firecracker. Like he scored fifty goals in his rookie year, or something like that. Something stupid. Yeah. I remember, he, he scored scored the goal had a good year, down. but yes. Of course. And he was, you know, he is who he is, but we kind of were just meeting him for the first time in North America. And he was you know, loud and boisterous and he'd hit people and he'd celebrate when he scored and he'd give great interviews. He didn't speak English really at the time. And people fell yeah. in love with him. And Crosby is, Crosby is who he is. And he's just this quiet guy. who he compl- Crosby complained a lot in his rookie year or early in his career. Yeah, he, with was, refs. he was so yappy. He was a whiner and that's, you know, people didn't like that. He was. I remember that. And so the rookie of the year, uh, I don't remember it being that close. I think Ovechkin basically crushed him in, in, not even in voting, but just in performance in that first year. And obviously that is kind of flipped and you can, we can debate, I guess, to no avail who's, you know, is Ovechkin that far behind Crosby? I mean, they're completely different players, but Crosby's a winner. So that goes for him. All right. Anything else from the vault here? Modern
1: generation. I think that wraps up the vault. Basically, that team was good. Real good. Do we
0: give any credit to the coach?
1: Brent Sutter? Well, he won the next year, too, with kind of a blue collar team. Good defense, but not great forwards. We're definitely the underdog, and they crushed Russia in the final the next year, too. So he must have been a good coach, at least with juniors.
0: He was a really good junior coach. Red Deer, right?
1: Red Deer, FNUF's team.
0: Yeah, so, although, I don't know. I feel like I could have coached the team and this team and, and driven them to where they need to get get to. That the bus one, yes. was self-driving.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was an automatic car, like the cars that are going to exist soon in the real world.
0: Yeah, oh yeah it's, it's coming. It's coming. And anything that's consistent is in this case the leafs not having a player on the team so there you go this exactly. is no leafs podcast life but, is as uh, it should be the- <laughs> <laughs> all right let's pause here we'll come back to our alternate universe segment and play our what if game again to no avail but we think it's fun so we hope you do too for incomplete past is brought to you in part by learn your english learn your english is an english language startup that promotes learning for both students and teachers outside of the classroom learn what you want when you want to whether you're a language learner language teacher or language school learn your english can help join their growing community today connect online at learnyourenglish.com for revisiting things that happened. Maybe we can look at factors that contributed to those, and if they hadn't happened exactly the way that they did happen, what would have happened otherwise? So Ian's going to have a first question here for me, or a first situation, I suppose, on our first revisionist example.
1: This one's pretty well the low-hanging fruit. So what if the NHL lockout (laughs) hadn't happened in 4 5 Would Canada have
0: won? Uh, Would Canada have won? Yes I think they still would have won I think they still have a really good team Uh, The double of competition Even with Ovechkin and Malkin on the other side And even, I mean, who knows It's not like this is a Canada boat Other teams would have been in the same boat With their players probably not being allowed To play in the junior tournament as well Uh, Maybe Malkin would have still been there Because of his contractual status Or whatever it was with his Russian team um, but Ovechkin, if Crosby's not there, Ovechkin's probably not there either. So there's enough yeah, talent no there way. on the Canada team to to pull this out. Um, they might, they would, I don't think they would have had a, a goal margin of 41 to seven, but. Uh, <laughs> probably if, not. <laughs> if we talk this through logically, I mean, if you take Crosby, Bergeron, and Carter, let's say, off of the team, I think there's still enough there for them to, to win.
1: Yeah, Dave Boland, Eric Fair. Yep. And if you go think, back to I who, think who you
0: said was cut, I mean, if you take Crosby and Crosby and Bergeron off, for example, and you add Brent Burns, I mean, it's not the same, but you're still, you're not losing. It's well, not a black hole.
1: But he, he wasn't released even by his AHL team, so he probably wouldn't have been in there. But like Eric Faraday Dave Boland, they probably would have been available. Mike right. Green on defense.
0: So, so yes, yeah, I think. they were so good. I think they still would have won. Uh, Okay, my first one. So it's not exactly about the tournament, but uh, in the 2003 draft, uh, obviously the Pittsburgh Penguins took Marc-Andre Fleury first overall. However, they didn't have the first overall pick. They traded for that pick. So my question is, (laughs) how would the trajectories of the Florida Panthers, who traded that first overall pick to Pittsburgh, and some of this stuff um be different today if flurry was on Florida or spent his first significant time in the league on Florida and Nathan Horton would have been on Pittsburgh
1: See this is such an interesting question mainly because of Flurry like to me he has had the most weird career like he has at times been absolutely unbeatable and then at times has literally looked like he couldn't stop a beach ball like you remember that series against philly in 2012 where it was him and Bruce galov on the other side mm-hmm. and i think like there were games like 10 to 3 and <laughs> like like it just everything every game was like double digits goals but then when vegas went to the final flurry delivered one of the best goaltending perform- performances I've ever seen in the playoffs and in 08 when Pittsburgh lost to Detroit their first cup final of the Crosby era Fleury was amazing and actually wasn't great in 09 when they beat Detroit but he made that great save last second against Nick yeah. Lindstrom like he's just had the craziest career And another thing about that is, I think the reason Florida traded that pick is because they had Luongo at the time. That was before they traded him to Vancouver. So they were thinking, well, we've got this great young goalie in his 20s. He's only going to get better. And he did, just on Vancouver, (laughs) mainly. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, it kind of made sense to trade. And Nathan Horton was projected to be this big top-line power forward. And I think for the most part, he was until he went to Columbus and then got injured, and then his contract traded the Leafs. But he
0: wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't a a, a level player, right? No, he wasn't. They didn't. No, they no wouldn't. Way. have I mean, he won was, cups because of Nathan Harden. They would have. He would have been a complimentary no, like, piece.
1: Third overall pick, and like just very quickly, guys below him: Ryan Suter. Jeff Carter, Dustin Brown, Brent Seabrook, Ryan Getzlaff, Brent Burns, Mike Richards, Corey Perry. And this is, this is the best one. The best player drafted lowest in that draft is probably a tie between Joe Pavelski in the seventh round Oof. and Dustin Bufflin in the eighth round oh my and Jarl Halak actually in the ninth round.
0: Wow. Wow. The draft was stupid. And Patrice Bergeron in the second round. Now, that's not and super Weber too, low, but he's a Hall of Fame player
1: <laughs> oh he's yeah for sure, and I think Weber's Hall of Fame as well. he was in the second round,
0: for sure, so the question oh, really yeah. is, would Pittsburgh have been the dynasty that they are if they hadn't drafted flurry or hadn't traded for flurry?
1: yeah, I don't think so he flurry was a a key member, he was the number one goalie on that team, and when they had that lull and then came back again and won two more, it was Matt Murray in that. But Fleury was the guy through those first few Crosby years. And, yeah, they probably wouldn't have gotten to the final in 08 and 09 without Fleury.
0: No chance. No chance. Yeah. Okay. All right. Interesting question. Let's move on. What else you got?
1: All right. Another interesting one. Uh, 2004, Canada lost 4-3. They were winning 3-1 going into the third period in Helsinki against the U.S. Marc-Andre Fleury shot the puck off Braden Coburn into his own net. Canada loses. They could have had Patrice Bergeron on that team, but he was too good. He was in the NHL and was a pretty good 18-year-old NHLer, not surprisingly, from what we know of him now. Would Canada have won in 2004 with Patrice Bergeron?
0: No. Marc-Andre Fleury still shoots it off at Braden Coburn and into the net.
1: Interesting. Unless we're playing
0: the game of... uh... What's that called? When you change one thing and everything else changes? Yeah, the
1: butterfly effect.
0: So, I mean, I don't know. The butterfly effect, maybe, yeah, okay, fine. But I don't think it's because of Patrice Bergeron. I don't know that you change one piece and everything else changes. That's just a fluky goal, and Canadians will remember it forever. Um, Patrick Sullivan, I remember, got credit for it, because you have to credit somebody, I guess. They don't have own goals in hockey, so yeah, that's right. Patrick, yeah, Patrick O'Sullivan.
1: O'Sullivan, the winning goal, yeah,
0: sort of, <laughs>
1: yeah, sort of, not not one that you're gonna maybe um, frame on your post or on your wall later in life.
0: I I mean I gonna stick with my answer, but I suppose four to one third period is kind of Patrice Bergeron's go to score. So I feel like if he's on the team. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. What? Maybe (laughs) Maybe they would uh, be able to hold on to that. Um,
1: I think you should change your answer just because of of that observation.
0: uh, I guess the argument would be they wouldn't get to a point where... Flurry's flicking it off his own guy into the net to to lose the game if it's if Patrice Bergeron's on the team, but I'm still gonna say, just for my own sanity, no, they wouldn't. They would still have lost.
1: Wouldn't Bergeron have back checked Patrick O'Sullivan and like tied him up? I mean, such a good defensive
0: forward. You would have thought, yeah. if he were on
1: the ice, <laughs> you would think.
0: His um, go-to I don't really have a
1: four-one. Jeez. <laughs>
0: He knows how to do it.
1: Yeah, he does.
0: Um, it's a zing. It's, and I'm still not over it, obviously. No, nope. so. not at and all. We're, we're getting into that uh, very similar because I think a lot of people forget, myself included, that not that we're talking about this, but that 4-1 to Leaf collapse to Boston was up the playoffs of a shortened lockout season.
1: Yeah, it's the only reason the Leafs were in the playoffs. We'll, we'll do an episode about that one day. <laughs> The, yeah, the because i mean the,
0: we can talk about the credibility of of that team in that season and, and whatever but we're getting into a covid shortened season as well and will we have the same will history repeat itself i guess is a question that will float out there or i'll float out mm-hmm. there i didn't think i'd take the bubble playoff seriously and i did once they started i was very excited yeah, yeah did. I did i the same the best sentiment team. about this coming up but yeah they were um I don't really have another alternate universe about that specifically, um, but the Leafs we know didn't have a pick in two thousand three. They didn't have a pick in two thousand and four. They took Tuka Rask in the two thousand and five draft. We all know how that turned pick. out. Patrice Bergeron can tell us again about that. Yep. Um, the two thousand and three draft being, I don't think, arguably, but very factually, the one the best draft ever. One of the best drafts ever. Do you? If you're Pat Quinn in the Leafs in 2003, in March of 2003, do you still make the Owen Nolan trade knowing what you know now about how that first round of that draft turned out?
1: No, of course not. Never. 100% no. This is who the Leafs 100%. could have drafted in that draft. They could have drafted Zach Parise. Ryan Getzlaff, Brent Burns, Ryan Kessler, Mike Richards, even Brian Boyle, twenty-sixth pick. That that would have been a good pick. Corey Perry, Patrice Bergeron, Shea Weber, Joe Pavelski, and on and on and on and on. Brian uh, Boyle
0: over Owen Nolan.
1: Well, not one for one straight up, but i I'm, my point is just that there there were good players right through that whole damn draft. And Owen Nolan was a good pickup for the Leafs. And the 03 team of that Leaf era, and I know we're getting off topic, but that was the team that went out in the first (laughs) round. The only Quinn team of the Quinn playoff teams that didn't go past the first round, you know, back when the Leafs would win playoff rounds. And that was probably their best chance to win. That that was the year it was Anaheim and New Jersey in the final.
0: The Leafs should have won that year. And Nolan would have
1: helped, but anyway. Well,
0: what I don't if? think we can ever say that the Leafs should have won anything. Oh, I don't think like they've fair. earned yeah. they've earned that. But that uh I'm looking at I looked at that trade. So they that's when they really that was the year Pat again, we're really off topic here, but the that's year funny. is we're going down a rabbit hole. Um yep. but Pat Quinn said, We're we're going for it. We're going for it this year. So Owen Nolan to Toronto for a First-round pick in 2003, which San Jose drafted Mark Stewart, solid player. Uh, the fun. Leafs then also traded Alan McCauley, very useful player, and Brad Boys, who turned out to be quite a good player. Not spectacular, but very solid. That's good, though. As well. The Leafs also traded for Glenn Wesley at that trade deadline, and Phil Housley. Yeah. <laughs> Phil Housley, I forgot about that. And uh, in those two trades the people going back turned out to be I don't recognize the names so doesn't that tells you something there you go. and the last trade that Pat Quinn made was a trade with Montreal for a little gentleman by the name of Doug Gilmore
1: mm-hmm. we won't talk about his return to the Leafs No. so that didn't happen
0: on paper very good trade deadline but Nolan and Gilmore obviously go down with injuries and that's all she wrote I suppose so no, I don't think I'd make the Ill and, Ill and trade again, knowing what we know about that draft. But I wouldn't have taken no, Mark Stewart no. either.
1: <laughs> no. Terrible pick,
0: <laughs>
1: given what we know.
0: All right, let's take a quick pause, get some water, and we'll come back for the quiz.
1: If you want to enhance your property's ecological value but don't know where to start, give the Shrew Team a call. With decades of combined experience in commercial and private environmental consulting, our team has the expertise you need to make the right choices about your land. Visit ShrewSolutions.com to see how we can help you today.
0: All right, segment three, and Ian, you know what that means. It is time for the quiz the quiz. So if you're new to the show, we have two questions prepared. That's a lie. We have four questions prepared just in case two of the questions have been asked as or yeah, as backup in the reservoir and we will ask each other questions and see how we can do with trivia loosely related to the topic of the show. Um one of mine I can say for sure is definitely related and the other ones a little bit more loose, but <laughs> we'll get there.
1: All right. My first one's like, yeah, it's very related. Very simply, who is the captain of the 05 team?
0: Mike Richards. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Nice. Nice one. All right. My first question, also very directly related, Um, sort of. (laughs) So uh, (laughs) we know that this super team was not just a super team together, but super players that uh, transcended that team. And put together Hall of Fame careers. And if not Hall of Fame careers, very close, most of them. So obviously, Crosby is at the top of this list, but can you name the second most, the player from that team that has the second most points in their career in the NHL?
1: Okay. So it's going to have to be.
0: Crosby is uh, number one, obviously. Yeah,
1: Crosby is obviously number one. So it'll be. Crosby has
0: 1,263. Nobody else wow. is at a thousand, but some are close.
1: Huh, I mean Carter, Getzlaff, Perry Getzlaff? No, Bergeron. It's gotta be Bergeron.
0: You gotta pick one. Getzlaff? It is Ryan Getzlav. <laughs> nice. Ryan Getzlaff assists. has the second most uh yes. <laughs> he has nine hundred and sixty five career NHL points. And only oh. only 274 goals.
1: And not a lot of hair. And do you remember in the hair. 2010 Olympics when, they were, when he was 24 and he was already balding? Like at the medal yes. ceremony, the helmets are off and
0: everything. <laughs> and it was like, what? Yes, I do. So it goes Crosby 1, obviously 1263, 462 goals. Then Ryan Getzlav 2, 965 with 274 goals. Then Bergeron, number 3. Uh, Good old Patrice, which we don't think of as as an offensive player, but he is. He is now. See, he's gotten better with age. He's 35 now, by my math. He's still really good. He's awesome. And he has 869 career NHL points. Oh,
1: yeah. He'll be a Hall of Famer. And the the two-way game.
0: 869 points, 342 goals. Then Corey Perry, 797. And then Jeff Carter, number five. 732 i feel like jeff carter gets left out of a lot of conversations he's really good
1: yeah he was the the injury replacement in the 2010 olympics he didn't make the team but he traveled with the team for the first game because Getzlaff was mm-hmm. hurt and carter would have been the next guy in but Getzlaff did play and played very well and but carter was in the next olympics in 2014
0: and carried the, like the top line if i remember medal. and he's got cups oh, he was and really he's good very important that. playoff yeah
1: Yep, two cups. Yeah, great player.
0: All right. Shoot,
1: number two. All right, quest- question number two. All, this is also very direct. I, got, I didn't really go off the board too much with these. Uh, what number did Sidney Crosby play in that tournament? Or oh, <laughs> yeah, What number did he wear? It wasn't 87, obviously.
0: <laughs> I remember, I think it was the same number as he had in, in the, because in, he was in the Finland tournament too. As the 16 year old, yes. I think it was number nine. Yes, it was. Gordie Howe's number nine. Woo! Woo! Nicely done. All right. I will take that one. Now I get to choose which question I want. I have a couple stacked up here. Um, let's stick with something more reasonable. Um, we talked about goalies, we talked about the Canadian goalie, Jeff Glass, um, not necessarily being needed. <laughs> in this tournament (laughs) that's an understatement but he gave up seven goals or the team canada gave up seven goals in the whole tournament he didn't play every game so he didn't give up seven goals however he did not lead the tournament in save percentage for goalies my question is which goalie led the tournament in save percentage or name the team I think
1: Halak was in the tournament I think the Czechs maybe had a good goalie the States I think had a couple of good goalies was it Al Montoya
0: with the States it was not though I do believe he was their goalie but no not him
1: and it, it couldn't have been Halak I, I don't think Slovakia did particularly well
0: uh, Lack had the most shutouts, actually, in the tournament, but not save percentage. Really? Not save yes. percentage. Yes. I so think it was really the Czech on goalie, one.
1: but his, his name escapes me, but I think it was the Czech goalie. I, I don't know if he Cor- really turned into being much.
0: <laughs> uh, correct. It was the Czech goalie, and I remember this goalie being really good in junior hockey. Merrick Schwartz. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was really
1: good in junior, and I think Amazing. that was the closest game in the tournament. I think Canada only won three-one in the semifinal
0: against the Czechs. Yep. Merrick Schwartz led the tournament in save percentage. He was fantastic. Fantastic. He did. He had. He had a cup of tea in the NHL. He was a backup for a while, yeah. I believe, but nothing crazy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I have some. Uh, these are the. I have some information that I want to talk about here. Information. I have some. Some factoids. Backup questions. <laughs> But I did not think okay. these were fair to ask you in the real thing, because they're uh, kind of... I, I wanted to talk about these because I learned something, so I didn't feel like it was fair to ask. But did you know that the World Junior Tournament, I guess what we talk about, what we watch on TV, is like the major tournament? And then there's a Division One that gets played afterwards of like the lesser teams?
1: Well, yeah, because a couple new teams, one or two new teams, come in every year. So that That's makes correct. sense.
0: There's actually three, three levels. There's a Division One, Division Two, and a Division Three. So there's technically Jeez, four levels at the bottom
1: the, with hockey. How
0: many countries play hockey? <laughs> so care to care to Gander a guess here? Who? There are two winners of each division because two get advanced and two get regu, re, relegated. Let's say. So any guesses on who? advanced that year same year to the major tournament the next year in division one
1: was it slovenia with kopitar it was not i don't know belarus no france
0: (laughs) it was norway and latvia okay yeah and yeah we're gonna go down the rabbit hole here here we go division two who went up to division one
1: I don't know, like England? <laughs> nope. Uh, hun- Hungary?
0: Close. Romania and Japan. Romania. Oh, yeah. Japan's
1: been in there. I think Korea's had a team. Don't say, oh, yeah, Japan.
0: Times. No one would have been thinking about Japan. Don't say, oh, yeah, Japan. No.
1: <laughs> but they had a team in the Nagano Olympics. I think they had to have a team because they were the host. But
0: Right. And then Division yeah. 3 we're really getting down here. Two teams... Uh, were advanced to Division Two the following year. How is there a div? <laughs> How many
1: countries have naturally occurring ice? I don't know, like Australia or something. New Zealand,
0: actually, yes, and Mexico. New
1: Zealand and Mexico. mexico's is a huge population, so that makes <laughs> Just sense. Just out of
0: curiosity, here, so Division Three, the teams that competed in Division Three in 2005. Mexico one, followed by New Zealand, Iceland, South Africa, Turkey, and Bulgaria. Iceland, with their tiny population, I mean the climate fits, but
1: mm-hmm. it's like nobody there. Nobody there.
0: So I thought that was an interesting factor. I didn't know there were those that many divisions. I thought there was just one subdivision, but there you go. And my not other. Uh, do you want to? Before I go into the last one, do you want to? Do you have a bonus question for me here?
1: Yeah, why not throw in a bonus question here. Which, this one is a bit more indirect, so which two players from the 05 junior team were one shot away from reaching the Stanley Cup Finals in 2017?
0: Well, that's a think. Can you repeat that? Which two players were one
1: shot away? So, one shot away from reaching the Stanley Cup Finals in 2017.
0: From Team Canada?
1: Yeah, they were on the 05 Team Canada junior team.
0: 2017. I could be wrong, but I feel like that's the year Nashville went to the final. And if that's so, they played Anaheim in the conference final. So it's Getzlaf and Perry.
1: No, good guess. No, it was on the other side, Eastern Conference.
0: Okay. Same year though. Is that the year Nashville went? So Nashville lost. Yeah, yeah. To... Nashville be-
1: beat Anaheim.
0: That I remember. That series was really rough. That was a violent. That was like really yeah. good um so nashville who beat nashville then is that the washington year no that's not washington uh this is the hard part thinking about who won those years pittsburgh no no really (laughs) maybe pittsburgh did beat nashville so then it's crosby and oh no they lost to somebody
1: Who did Pittsburgh beat in overtime? Game seven, overtime.
0: I have no idea. I don't remember.
1: The Ottawa Senators. Really? (laughs) Yep. And two former Leafs, Dino Fanouf and Clark MacArthur. Oh, my gosh. That's a great question. That's really good. Those two almost almost got to the cup final. One shot off the post and in, Chris Kunitz.
0: That's right. I do remember that now. My gosh. Okay, last little factoid here. Uh, warm-up question. Warm-up to the warm-up here. Uh, the 2005 World Juniors Championship was held where?
1: Grand Forks, North Dakota. Correct. So basically Canada.
0: <laughs> so Grand Forks is the third largest city in North Dakota. Can you name the other two?
1: Uh no. <laughs> uh, I've been close to there in Saskatchewan, but I no, looked it I have up. No idea. Uh,
0: Fargo is the biggest one. Oh yeah, and a little place that I've never heard of called Bismarck. Of course. So if you're from Bismarck, Bismarck you North know, Dakota, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the third little bonus here. There are actually, believe it or not, th- some quite famous athletes that came from Grand Forks, North Dakota. Okay. Now, I'm going to give you some clues here because I'm not going to ask you to just name them because that's impossible. But uh, the first two on the list are from baseball, and one of them is a former Blue Jays manager
1: Buck Martinez?
0: Not Buck Martinez somebody who's not liked anymore somebody who lied about military service
1: oh car oh no not carlos tosca um johnson yes what was his name johnson i forget his first name but yeah the guy who had a good team like he was <laughs> he was good with the team that year and then he lied about tim johnson <laughs> some outrageous tim johnson yeah he got in a spat with mel queen yeah oh my god and gosh. lied about his military service to like threaten him or something and then got fired that's right so. And the other Tim gentleman Johnson.
0: is the person who uh, Mark McGuire broke his home run record. Oh, Roger Maris is from Roger there. Maris is from Grand Forks, was, from Grand Forks, North Dakota.
1: And if you listen to episode one of Incomplete Past, uh, we talk more about Roger Maris, Mark McGuire, and friends. <laughs> the Royd Race yes, we do. of 1998.
0: And the only other one that's notable on the list that I that stuck out to me is Lute Olsen, who was the coach of the Arizona Wildcats basketball team, Division One for many, 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 many years. And is a Hall was of Fame Lute coach. Was Lute a nickname? I, I can't confirm or deny that. I don't believe so. I believe that's his name.
1: I can't imagine having a baby and saying, you know what, I think we're going to name this little guy Lute.
0: Well... Maybe it's a Grand Forks thing. So if you're from Grand Forks out there, let us know if Lute is a common name or maybe it's just his parents were... had some sentimental value. <laughs> I or Rich know. or something. So there you go. Tim Johnson, Roger Maris, Lute Olson from Little Grand Forks, North Dakota.
1: Beauties, all three of them.
0: All right. Uh, I guess that's it for us today, Ian. Uh, 2005 Team Canada World Juniors. It's a nice little episode as we approach that 2021 version of that tournament here just in a few weeks. Um, I don't think there's much to say about the team, as we've said, because the team is what it is. What do you think the legacy will be of of that draft, of that time, of these players as they start to retire and continue to retire and maybe 10 years from now? These are not just great players. They're, they're something different, right?
1: We'll be talking about that team indefinitely into the future of of hockey. We'll be looking back. I don't know if we're ever going to see... I mean, never say never. I don't know if we'll ever see a Canadian junior team, any junior team with that much talent that then translated to success in the NHL and the the world stage. Second to none. I
0: think we forgot to say that was the team, because they lost the year before, that team started the, I want to say, five in a row.
1: Yeah, the second five in a row.
0: So... I don't know if that means anything or if it means something, but hats off to them and hats off to all those guys. And hats off to you for listening and bearing with us through all of these minutes here. Uh, So thanks, Ian. Uh, We'll do it again sometime. On
1: Incomplete Past. Hey, thanks for joining us on this episode of Incomplete Past. For more from us, check us out on Instagram and Twitter. And tell your millennial friends or just anyone else who wants to relive great sports moments from the 90s and 2000s nostalgia is a beautiful thing and even though hindsight is always 2020 without it the past would be incomplete